0: what is up guys welcome back to another episode of put it in the books this week me mike alex and justin preview mets opening day where we give our thoughts and predictions for this upcoming 2021 season all right opening day is back Uh, after a long winter america's pastime has finally returned a fresh start brings hope and optimism to all met fans Uh, especially after the news last night that Francisco Lindor has decided to re-sign and save the Mets for the next decade plus and hopefully finish his career as a Met. Uh, Not getting ahead of ourselves, but this is a huge deal. Uh, It really is good that we got this done before opening day. We don't have this nagging storyline that's going to plague us throughout the year and act as a distraction. Uh, And Lindor, just a franchise talent. He's been amazing all spring training. Uh, he's been great on both sides of the of the ball, uh, defense helping out guys like JD and McNeil in the infield, and also being potent with the bat. So, uh, first reactions. take. I don't mean to. I don't news. mean
1: to interrupt, but the game has been postponed tonight due to COVID. I knew right? it. I knew it. I knew it.
0: Bro, wow. So tell opening bro, day. All right. So we'll drop the podcast I'm tomorrow, but opening said, day is not upon us. I knew this was going to happen.
2: DeGrom just got screwed over. He was supposed to have two starts in four days. Five games, I need. Oh, wow. my God. And so,
0: apparently, all right, that's actually a big, uh, you know, that's a big change of events. So, yeah, the Nationals have a COVID-confirmed case. Uh, at least five players were quarantined uh, with being in close contact. Uh, DeGrom versus Scherzer was supposed to go on Thursday night. As a recording today, Thursday morning. So we'll see if we'll be able to get a game and get the series in this, this weekend. Skip,
2: did this skip the Grom start now. Like, what's? I don't
0: think that. they will skip the Grom start. But let's before we get we talk about the ramifications of this. Uh, it's not really that big of a deal, but that, that kind of sucks. I was pretty hyped. It's Supposed to be
2: a good day.
0: We are, yeah, like two minutes in the recording, we got a uh, a punch to the gut. But I mean, the Mets will the Mets will end up playing at some point. Um. So first takes from Lindor resigning. Uh, first reactions and just your overall thoughts we can you know what do you guys think about the lindor news the extension 10 years is it a fair deal 10 years 341 million
2: uh wait hang on uh justin where are you seeing that the game got postponed because no, 35 only-
0: minutes Buster <laughs> only has
3: tweeted about
1: it. He, yeah, he's about Buster take only tweeted about it. Because
3: I, I couldn't even find it in 35
1: and minutes hasn't, ago. Hasn't the best tweet is it, no time.
3: Yo, Rob Manfred told uh, Greeny. He told, he told him so. I mean, straight from the horse's mouth, the game is canceled. Unfortunately, is, um, yeah. now, now this means that not only is the Boston game canceled, so Christian Vasquez, my starting catcher, can't play.
1: But also... The weather should have been thinking about Alex. A backup catcher.
3: Yeah, I should have drafted better. I should have been like, "Mm." yeah, the Nationals. I mean, the Nationals are just dirty. They really don't want to play the Mets this bad, and they're screwing over DeGrom. I mean, it's it's a good strategy. Uh, Going back to so annoying. Could could we all just like have a second just to be happy as Mets fans? You know, we have a tortured existence. I'm sure there's Mets fans out Lindor. there. There are Mets fans out there that are upset because they feast off of the disappointment and just you know being a miserable Mets fan is their existence. But I think as also younger fans, we have more hope than some people who you know who have been through the '90s. We we talked about that a decent amount about how the '90s were the dark years. You know, we got we had 2006, we had 2015. And now I think we're ready to just go for it again. I mean, Lindor, the contract ended up being not nearly as bad as we thought it would be. I mean, the, the number is staggering, 341. But with $5 million deferred every single year, this contract might end up being a steal for the next um, you know half decade or so. Uh, it's not really going to uh, screw us in the cap. We, we, he didn't get the 12-year contract he wanted. Um, He gets a $21 million signing bonus. Make no mistake about it. He wanted 341 because he wanted to be the highest paid shortstop of all time. I mean, 340 is second highest. uh, Tatis Jr. So he just wanted to beat him by that one. And he got it. I think at the end of the day, this was kind of like an ego battle between Steve Cohen and Lindor. And I think they both won because – most people do not think Lindor was going to get this money in the offseason unless he put up MVP-type numbers. And everyone also thought that the Mets trade for Lindor would be a bust if we didn't sign him long-term. So someone had to blink, and I think at the end of the day, it, it did end up being Cohen. Lindor got a little bit more money out of him, but it's great for both sides. It's great for Mets fans. Now Lindor doesn't have to worry about being booed, you know, whenever opening day is. Um this is just awesome day for Mets fans. And, you know, yeah. Dave Cohen. this would never happen if the Will Pons were in charge. Never.
2: So uh, I, I have a few things to say. Um, apparently, first off, uh, Lindor is speaking to the media at 3 p.m. today. Um, so that might be fun to watch. Uh, but honestly, yeah, Alex hit most of the, uh, the points. Huge day. uh Let's go. I hope to hear those Lindor, 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 Lindor chants. All right. Every single day. He is going to make our team so much better just offensively, first of all. You know, you can say what you want with the bat. You know, he hasn't really ever put up a slugging over 500, I'm pretty sure, whatever. Like, you know, or an OPS over 900 or something like that. Like, you know, you can say he's a little overrated with the bat, but like what he just brings, A, defensively, and B, just like what he brings to the ballpark every day. Like, Holy crap. It's a whole, first of all, it's a whole culture change for the entire team. And in, in like, I don't know, what, three short months, he's already become the face of this franchise? How, how many players can you say that happens to that gets traded to a team or signs with a team, and becomes the face of the franchise immediately? Like, not many. It's what a day. You know, yeah, it got a little rune that, you know, for opening day just got postponed that's annoying but like come on this is uh you know be happy be happy don't don't boo him don't say he got overpaid be happy that for once we actually got the fish
1: yeah couldn't agree more uh for sure we got him we got him we did not overpay I mean whatever it's you know 341 sure that's a fat fat contract top five in baseball but it's worth it for a guy like Lindor. We've already we all know how good he is on the field. He brings even more off the field to the clubhouse, to the community. Uh, anyone who said he was being greedy or selfish or whatever, just I couldn't disagree more. You know, good for him for trying to get his bag. He has earned every right to try to make as much money as possible. Everyone uh, who is in that situation would try to get as much money as possible. You know, you're sitting there at work and your boss offers you a raise or your promotion. You're not going to say Nah, I'm good. I make enough money to support myself. You're going to be like, Word, I want that raise. Uh, and I'm glad it came out to what it did. I mean, that's it really didn't look like it was going to happen. You know, there was literally 20 minutes before it happened. It multiple, of all, every, all of us really were getting uh, notifications about how they were at a stalemate. There were no new discussions. They weren't moving closer to a deal. And neither Dude, side wanted to Walker move.
2: Tweeted. When Taiwan uh, Walker tweeted. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, In reality, I don't think Lindor ever, ever actually thought he was going to get 385. I think that was very obviously just a negotiation tactic. Uh. He ended up getting a 341. Um he, 10 years, 341. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's really good. Experience. Yeah. Uh, Peebles, you know, say, that. say my friend said this. I think did they think they heard? Um, so anyway, yeah, I think uh they didn't break the bank too bad. I mean, that 385 would have been just absurd. I nobody in the industry thought he was gonna get 385, including Lindor and his agent. I don't think they thought that. But good on them for asking as much as possible. That's what you should do. That's a good agent. That's a good player no, trying to know his worth, trying to get as much as possible. And like I said, anyone who said he should have just taken the three twenty-five and been happy with it, get out of here. He should be trying to get as much money as possible.
0: Um, yeah, so definitely great news. Something I just I just saw that was pretty funny. Um ten years seems like a long time for Lindor to be signed, but the Mets after Lindor Contract expires, uh, the Mets will still be owing Bobby Benia money. So, for anyone that's saying ten years is a little bit too long, Lindor is only twenty-seven. You know, ten years is the template for a franchise, uh, a young franchise superstar like a Monkey Batsu signed for I think thirteen or so years. Harper signed a thirteen-year deal when he was like a similar age to so Lindor, and Lindor is arguably a better all-around player. So, uh, for three forty-one million.
1: That was for Harper.
2: No, that, no, Mookie was twelve three sixty
0: five. Oh, Mookie was twelve.
1: Oh, Harper, yeah, yes, Harper that was what, for 13. Lindor is a better all around player than Harper.
2: Wasn't wasn't Harper's like thirteen three thirty or something?
0: It was something like that. I think Machado got ten years three hundred million and he owes is, that
2: contract to a Dodgers fan. He owed, Machado owes that contract to a Dodgers fan. Let's not forget.
0: That is true. Um, and I, I think it's just good that we don't have to worry about this next off about like who. We'll be targeted as a shortstop if Lindor leaves. If we have to pivot to Seeger or Trevor Story or Javi Baez, Correa, we can just focus on uh, the trio of Stroman, Conforto, Syndergaard, and hopefully we get one of those or multiple of those done in next off season. But besides that, besides, you know, obviously Lindor, great news. Um, I didn't really, I personally didn't feel that Lindor was being greedy. I just thought that, you know, all the leaks going out to the media from his camp. And then Steve Cohen, obviously tweeting about the negotiations on Twitter, uh, seemed a little bit too public considering this is a pretty new relationship. And, you know, this this is the biggest, you know, signing in franchise history. So I didn't love how it was all played out publicly, but at the end of the day, it got done and that's all that really matters. So we can move on to baseball, uh, whenever our first game is played, if it's not going to be Thursday night, maybe it's like Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Um, Hopefully no Mets got, I mean, there's no reason the Mets should have gotten any COVID, I would, I would think. They haven't really interacted with the Nationals at all. So, whenever opening day is, let's preview it. Um, suppose it's, I'm guessing they'll we'll keep DeGrom on schedule, and it will still be seeing DeGrom versus Scherzer on opening day. So, I would see the Mets are very, very formative, formidable on opening day. I think they have the—they well, definitely have the highest winning percentage in history among MLB teams on opening day, um, and especially recently because they lost their first eight opening days as a franchise. So I think in their last fifty years or so, I think they've only lost like twelve. Uh, opening days, yeah.
1: and fun fact beyond just the record, they have gone the longest since being shut out on opening day. The last time, the only time they did so, or maybe not the only time, I don't know if they got shut out in 62 also, but they got shut out in 63. That was the last time they got shut out on opening day, and that's the longest streak in the bigs. It's
3: yeah. also, and also the number on that is we won 39 out of our last 51. Okay, I always so, it was something like that, like ridiculous. We started like, at, 0 and 8. We started at 0 and 08, and we've only lost. Twelve since then so 39 and 20 not too shabby but 39 and 12 since you know you know the Mets recovered from being an expansion team because back then if you were an expansion team you were just going to be you know dog for a while but yeah since then I mean what we could contribute that to some I mean our starting pitchers I mean Tom Seaver started from what like 68 to 77 I think he started like
0: he started like at least ten opening days for the Mets, which is pretty yeah. ridiculous.
3: The Groms started um, a bunch, you know, in the in the 2010s. Obviously, he's gonna hopefully start the next one. Um, you know, we had didn't Harvey start one. We had John Nice. John Neese was winning opening days for us. What's with that? So, like, I think a combination of really good starting pitchers. I mean, Doc Gooden um, started like what 89 and 90. So we had some good starting pitchers. All I think luck and just coincidence. I mean the season's a hundred and sixty-two games long. Um, so it's not it's funny how uh you know family guy teased the Mets because you know, first pitch in the season's over, but really it's first pitch, second game of the season, the season's over. So we're pretty good in that first game. Uh yeah, John Neese, he used to win it for us. Are you well,
0: kidding me? We have 10 shutouts. I, I don't know if it leads to bigs, but I think the Mets have t- 10 shutouts on opening day. So, obviously, it seems like a fluky stat on paper, you know, the Mets opening day success, but they do have a lot of good starting pitching to back it up. Um, and it probably is, like, their most impressive feat as a franchise their opening day success, and it kind of lures us into some sometimes a false sense of security that, you know, this year might be different. Uh, with a win on opening day, but uh, I kind of wanted to like talk about like season predictions, uh, maybe predictions for like the Mets and the standings. Talk about certain players' predictions, like maybe over unders for like, certain batting average or wins, home run totals. So, uh, if you guys don't have any more thoughts on opening day, um, obviously, whenever it is Monday this weekend, um, we'll just talk about the twenty twenty one season. And how do you think the Mets are going to stack up? A lot of people have Braves. Yeah, I'd like
1: to pose – oh, go ahead, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say that the Braves are, like, uh, kind of the favorite in my eyes, but a lot of, like, uh, projections and rankings and, uh, like, Las Vegas odds has the Mets as the favorite in the National League East, which is weird because they haven't won anything in the last five years. So the Braves don't really have too much respect in their name. But what do you guys think?
2: Uh. Wow, I think I honestly think that it's probably the Nationals to lose. Sorry, not Nationals. Um I, I totally meant to say the Braves. The, the East is the Braves to lose. Um Yeah, we got all these players, but the Braves were within one game of a World Series birth last season. Like on paper we have a great lineup, but on paper we had a great lineup last year and for the first two months we couldn't score a run. <laughs> With runners in scoring position, there'd be like countless games where we're just uh, eight hits in like the sixth inning and we're down one-nothing. Uh Until, like, yeah, this culture change is nice and everything, but until we see actual on-field production, I still think it's the Braves' division to lose.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that last statement that no matter how good on paper the Mets get, it is definitely the Braves' division to lose. I mean... On paper, the Mets look really, really good this year. But like you said, they've looked pretty good on paper for the last couple of years. So you just never know what's gonna happen. I'm excited to see it play out, though. I mean, once the Mets get their uh, pitching back healthy with Carrasco and Syndergaard, I think that rotation is really a force to be reckoned with. And uh, on the Braves, I think they're top three. They're three real young guys. are also, if they hit their potential, that's a real time that uh, rivals that rivals the uh, you know the Smoltz and Maddox type guys, and that's. I mean, that's a lofty expectations, but those are three really talented young pitchers they have. So that's something it's, it's going to be exciting to see. I mean, I think a lot of the public is going to back the Braves, but I I just – I it wouldn't surprise me if the Mets did it either. Once they get Cindergarten and Carrasco back, I think that's a really, really dangerous rotation.
0: Alex, any thoughts? Well,
3: where do you have the Mets finishing in the, in the division? Um. Like as much as I want to put the Mets at like on top, I just can't bring myself to do it because of that recent success by the Braves and just their their dominance. And again, it would be like we're we're of course we're diehard Mets fans and sometimes we're a little illogical in how we're thinking, but I think we're all good enough baseball fans to recognize that the Braves have not been getting the respect that they deserve. Um, as long as their like rotation stays healthy. Their rotation should, have, you know, kind of rival ours because ter- it's deeper. Um, obviously, we have DeGrom, and that's kind of the difference there. So, like, if we do get into a situation where, you know, it's one game between us and the Braves, I'll take us any day of the week. However, that's not how baseball works. It's 162-game season. Um, to win our division, you're going to probably want to aim for, like, 95 wins. And I think the Braves could get there. Um I mean, if, if the Mets just go off, I think the Mets have a higher ceiling than the Braves. None of us could deny that. Um, as Mets fans, we know how dangerous our lineup can be, um, and our rotation also has that ability. It's really going to come down to the bullpen. That's the biggest question mark. I think that the Braves should us out and win the division. Maybe they get 95, 96 wins. We get 93, 94 range. Uh, I'd be happy with a wild card berth in this division. Um, it seems like it, it might be the, the best division in baseball, especially if the, uh, the Marlins produce like they did last season. I mean, for God's sakes, <laughs> they made the playoffs and the Mets didn't. I mean, if you look at any of these teams, you, you can see the Mets coming in last too. That's not out of the question. I mean, the odds of the Mets winning you know, over 100 games might be the same as the odds the Mets come in last place. But the Phillies – have been achieving for a while, but they stink. I'm telling you, they've stinked for the last 10 years, and people have been taking them as, like, a trendy pick. I don't believe in them. However, Nationals, Mets, and Braves, you could pick any one of those teams to win the division, and no one could say you're an idiot. So I pick Braves. Um, is that everyone's uh, predictions for the division, Malin? Well, I was going to – I
0: briefly mentioned that the Braves were my pick, but I just because the Mets – have had such talented rosters over the last few years. You know, ever since they went to the world series, they've been you know competitive and spending money and they put on, they've put out win now teams on the field, but they've pretty, you know, they have not played to their talent level the last few years, whether it's been because of defense or like really bad bullpens. And even last year, like last year was a huge disappointment. A lot of people were like really trending on the Mets because they had Cespedes at the DH. They had um, Stroman's in regard to Grom. Uh, people like Betances coming into the bullpen at that time, and the Mets were—you know—they were terrible. They finished under 500, and in a year where like MLB was like giving away playoff tickets to the teams, you know, the Marlins made the playoffs last year, and the Mets finished in last. So last year was a huge disappointment. Uh, now, with the new owner, some of the new roster moves—if the Mets don't finish in the playoff, if the Mets don't get into the playoffs this year, it would be a massive disappointment, and. I think Mets fans after that not won't, won't want to hear anymore about how talented the roster is and how many good players they have and you know what their young core of hitters is like and you know Degrom and their whatever their roster looks like. If the Mets can't actually do it on the field after they made this much investment in their players, um, it really is you know it's, it's not going to look good and it's really going to be disappointing. So I say I'll say a wild card. They get to the wild card game. They could win the division but it depends like the Braves have a more talented team and one-on-one the Braves have like hicked the Mets' asses the last few years. So like the Mets are going to have to win those interdivisional games. So I'll have the Mets go into the wild card game and, you know, Jacob DeGrom in a one, one game wild card is a pretty good, pretty good odds to me, but I can't put them over the Braves right now. Uh, Good change. I miss, there's a lot of things that are holding me back from putting the Mets number one. Uh, number chief among them being the, the bullpen. And I want to ans- ask you guys some questions, about the bullpen, um, maybe some like buy or sell or like over or under questions. But I think this bullpen is going to have a lot of turnover throughout the season. A lot of guys being sent up and down, maybe even like signing some guys throughout the, you know, some unsigned guys, putting them to the alternate site and bring them, bring them along throughout the year. So, um, buyer sell, Dylan Patansis and Dylan Betances will finish the finish twenty twenty one on the Mets on the Mets roster in the bullpen.
2: Uh, I think so. I'm pretty sure last episode we talked about this, and I said us uh, uh, jump ship on him like ASAP. I think he's gonna DFA. I don't think a team's gonna want him after his past two years. What Achilles ter- ter- torn Achilles ten ERA seven ERA right something like that. Yeah, I think he gets DFA'd, uh, you know, unless he gets picked up by, like, let's see, who has, like, pretty good pitching staffs, like, pitching coaches, like, I don't know, like, the Astros, like, uh, the the Braves, maybe, like, uh, unless he gets picked up by a, a team with a really good pitching coach, like, I think he's done very soon.
0: Alex, Justin, do you think Batantis? Fun
1: fact, actually, my friend of mine at school, his cousin is the A's pitching coach, but back to the Mets. Um, I would agree. Uh, Batantis, Amelia, I think they got some pretty short leashes. I think I agree with Malin. There's going to be a lot of turnover. That's why they went for a lot of depth rather than, say, the biggest fish out there. You know, they did go for bad hand, but they didn't necessarily go after a guy like Liam Hendricks that hard because I think they wanted to focus more on their depth, and I think it's really going to come in handy because – their bullpen is not the best in the game. There's no sugarcoating that, especially at the bottom half of it. Uh, uh, yes, the Yankees do so. Good point. Uh, yeah, so there's definitely going to be the turnover. I like the depth they built up. Like I said, um, I think Jacob Barnes really impressed in camp. I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's been really, really good in camp. Like, no one saw this one coming. But, yeah, Batantis and Familia, I don't see them last. I mean, Batantis more so than Familia. I don't see them lasting Uh more than a couple months with the Mets this season. His he's just been... He's gonna no, he's him. not. He's not good. He's not good. He's not good. I'm he's in been... the AL um, East. Yeah, I mean, he's 25. on the Mets, so we wouldn't... Look. Um,
3: well, I, I, like, I like what we did with um, our bullpen because, obviously, Familia and Patances are like big question marks, and we kind of supplanted them with Trevor May and Miguel Castro. So, like, even though the Mets bullpen is still iffy, it's you know, we pushed those guys who had you know prominent roles last year and blew it, we kind of pushed them to the back so maybe they could like regain their confidence. Um, I mean, with Patan says though, I'm not really sure what to do with him, maybe just let him go if he struggles. I mean, once Seth Lugo comes back, someone's got to be on the chopping block, right? And, um, Obviously, when Carrasco and Syndergaard come back, that's also going to be the case. Like, I'd rather have one of our, you know, um, depth starters be in the bullpen than a useless potensis. So, I mean, I, I think investing in that depth was the move. Um, I mean, I also would have tried to get another reliever, but so did the Mets. The Mets did try to get another reliever, and, you know, they got him. And then they didn't get him, so it just kind of drives you crazy as a Mets fan knowing that, like, that would have meant a lot to our bullpen, but, I mean, we still have a lot of depth in, like, even the bullpen, we have, we have you know, we have depth, but um especially, like, this is the deepest we've had in terms of um, hitting and pitching in a very long time. So... I mean, I'm just very excited for the future, the, for this season. I mean, of course, with the Lindor signing, we're clearly all in now. Um, a lot of our young uh, guys – because like, this is a Mets team that is built around the core. We, we didn't just build it through free agency. It's very tough to do that. You'd have to kind of get steals. Um, we did do it through some um, nifty training. Uh, definitely have to um, – you know, tip my cat off to uh, Sandy Alderson. He he kind of really did like build this team. Even Brody, you know, Brody played a part as well. Um, obviously Brody did not do well with trades, but I think um, draft wise, Brody did a pretty good job, and he was very savvy, especially how he used the um international um signing money. I think that was really uh that was really good. Um, if you just never traded. We'd be fine, um, but yes, yeah, Sand like this is Sandy's team. He's in charge. Has so much depth. I could imagine the Mets being able to withstand injuries because obviously, you know, it's hard to win a World Series if your big players aren't there by the playoffs. But it's also hard to make the playoffs if some of your guys are out in the middle of the season and you have what the Mets used to do and put the double A AA or triple A roster out there. Now we have MLB players who are going to be playing even when. Our top guys are at. I mean, come on. This is a great bench. I love Luis Guillorme, but he can't. He should not be our top pinch hitter, and now he's not. So, this is. I'm just very, very excited. Um, last night when we all got the Lindor news, I don't know about you guys, but my first thought was, we're going to be contenders for the next couple years. I mean, Steve Cohen delivered in terms of his win. You know. He hasn't fully delivered, but when he said he wants to win a World Series within three to five years, a lot of people scoffed at that. And I think certainly now, that's what everyone's saying—not just Mets people, everyone else. Everyone's saying Mets have this window. Let's let's break right through it, boys.
2: Uh, uh, I want to piggyback. Sorry, I want to just really piggyback uh, real quick off of what Alex said, like. Yeah, the Luis Guillorme thing, um, for a while, people I, – I know me personally, like, people were uh, worried about the fact that, like, oh, you know, now that we just traded for Lindor, we have no depth. mays our next man up. But, like, look at the guys that they got. They got Jonathan Villar. They got Evan Pilar. Alberto uh, Albert Almora. Like, these aren't guys that we would normally see in a, in a Will Pons era or, or like, you know, uh, even when we had – that's Andy Alderson in the Wilpon era. Like, we had guys like Eric Campbell playing, like, starting third base in 2015. Kelly Johnson as our backup, like, second baseman. Like Like, uh, th- this, we, we finally have, like, amazing pieces that, you know, even on the bench. I agree with Alex. We're going to be contenders for, like, at least seven years.
3: Yeah, um, I said five years. Let's let's. I, last I think more. I think more. We have no. We we don't even know if we're gonna have the Grom in seven years. How we don't know if we're gonna have him in five years. But we I think money, you know,
2: money talks. Money talks.
3: Yeah, we'll see. Seven years is bold. Michael Scherzog bold seven year contender statement. I'll take five years. I'll take three years. I'll take one year. If we have one year, we win the World Series and then we're terrible for the next six years. I'd rather that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um Uh, I was I was gonna say uh yes, I agree. Hey buddy, hey Evan. Uh one year. If they do good for one year, win one World Series, we happy. But I'm gonna agree with Talk on this one. Shocking, I know, but uh I'm gonna agree. I think with Steve Cohen's pockets, I think there's never really gonna be years or hopefully there's not gonna be really years where they're not gonna like hopefully gonna be good on paper. Yeah, like maybe there's gonna be years where they're worse than others for sure, but they're not. I feel like these days where we're continuously rebuilding, trading good players for prospects. I like think mostly are behind us. I think on paper, at least, we should be contenders or at least play a possible playoff team every year.
0: Yeah. Um. Quickly getting back to the bullpen before we move on to like other, other players and their roles. Uh, Edwin Diaz has to be fantastic this year for Lebense bullpen to have a chance. Uh, he has to be. You know, he could be, you know, maybe he doesn't have a 1.75 ERA, right? Maybe he's not having an 18 uh, strikeout per nine ratio, but he's got to have an elite type of year to carry this bullpen, especially until Seth Lugo comes, comes back from injury. Uh, Trevor May in the interim is going to have to like step into those shoes. Like may, may not pitch multiple innings like Seth Lugo would, but Trevor May is the, the de facto setup man right now and has to perform to the level that he's, he's signed for. Uh, Aaron loop as well. He's also going to be a uh, late inning option. I don't really see him starting like games as an, as an opener. It seems like the metric would be doing that with the fifth starting spot for the, at least a few, a few turns to the rotation. Jacob Barnes seems likely to get a lot of those opening opener assignments. Maybe Miguel, eh, Miguel Castro is also going to be slated for the late innings. So if Castro Castro is going to have to step up. Uh, May has to pitch to his abilities. Diaz has to carry the bullpen. And Familia just has to like, not suck in the seventh inning because I don't think Familia is going to get set up opportunities. Uh, but Francis, I think he gets like a week or two. And if he's not showing anything by middle of April and he's blowing, you know, if he blows a game or two, I think he's just DFA'd. Uh, they can bring back like Mike Montgomery, who they released or they re Tommy Hunter to a minor league deal. Uh, Aurelis Vizcaino Smith caino is someone I, I think we're going to see a lot of this year. He showed like high velocity during the spring and he has a lot of experience um but yeah the bullpen until south lugo gets back is a concern of mine so that's why like again they're not the favorites um another concern is still the defense nemo in the center field domin left um i was listening to some mets podcast and a few people were saying that if it's late in the game the mets are up by a run do you take Don Smith out of left field entirely, or do you switch Don Smith to first base and take Pete Alonso out of the lineup? Because the DH, the lack of DH is going to hurt the Mets a lot this year, more than it would, like, other teams. So, do you, like, risk taking Pete Alonso's bat out of the lineup and have Don Smith be your better defensive first baseman late in the game? Because I'm sure, like, Nemo is going to move to a corner in the 7th or 8th inning, and they'll put Amora um, or PR out there. So... Defense is really going to be crucial. So, what do you guys think about that? Like different, like moving players late in the game and doing defensive subs.
2: My my question for you is: How often do you think that's actually going to happen? Though, like, yeah, I, I know that defensive situations happen a ton. Like, you know, but like with our lineup, how often are we really going to be in a one-run ball game?
0: I just say, well, last year, Louis Rojas did a lot, did this a lot with switching players late in the game, especially when Pete Alonso wasn't hitting well. Like Dom Smith de- saw a lot of time at first base. And, you know, he had the luxury of hitting Alonso in the DH role last year, which he won't have this year. So I think there's a lot of pressure for, I mean, Alonso's had a great spring. So if, well, Alonso's going to hit. But like if he's slumping and you want to improve your defense late in the game, you can move Smith out of left field uh, into first base. But I think you're going to see a lot of, like, late – it. it's like when, like, Terry Collins would move in the center field late in the game. Who uh, would be in center field usually. He would put Ligaris in, in – uh, move Cespedes to left, put Ligaris in center. I think we'll see a lot of that with moving Nemo to left, putting Elmore um, or Pilar in center.
2: Yeah, like, I'm fine with that. Um, but at the same time, like, dude, both Pete and Dom have had, like, so many clutch moments already in their young Mets career. So it's, like, it's so hard to take away either bat that late in the game that, like, honestly, no. I, I would rather I would rather them just, like, either play out the situation the way it's going to play or, like, or, and then, yeah, like, yeah, sorry. I would rather just, like, have, have them, like, like, leave Dom Smith in left field and then just have full-on defensive days, like, where they're having people sit, where you see literally, like, uh Pilar, Elmora, and VR all in the inf- all on the field while Dom and Nimo or like a and, and all those other guys just sit and we don't give a damn about the bat. Like, I don't know. I, I think that we're just gonna have to pick and choose which days we want to put our best defense out in the field rather than doing all these defensive situations because our bats are just that good.
0: Yeah. Um I guess we can move on to some, like, buy or sell, unless you guys have any more, like, thoughts on that, like defensive and other problems, like, you know, defense in the bullpen. But uh, I was going to move on to just some predictions for players, like kind of, like, over-under. Interesting one, uh, over-under 40 home runs for Pete Alonso.
1: Over. To the moon.
3: To the moon. Is that really the number 40? Of course we're hammering the over. He was on pace for he was like everyone was saying he's how shite he 40 home last runs. Year. He, he was on pace to hit 40 home runs last year. Absolutely, he was on pace to hit like 43, I think,
2: something like
3: that. Yeah, and he's still, and everyone was saying how shite he was, bro. And he's now he's a masher, bro. If he gets, I think 45 is like the number over on there, and I I'm hammering the over on that too through the fucking moon with the protection he has in the lineup too. Oh my god, yeah, Pete's the getting moon. 45, yeah. The boys down in the Bronx. Because I'm, I'm feeling so good. I'm even nice to them. Those, bo- those mashers gonna stay healthy. They're gonna get 45, bro. Take, take that parlay on Stanton, Pete, and Judge. They're all, they're all gonna be booming this year. I'm telling you, New York, New York City is where you want to be right now if you're gonna hit home runs. Yo, Imagine thinking
1: Judge and Stanton are gonna stay healthy. I was about, to, I was about to ask that. So another question. <laughs> That's the bigger bold prediction.
2: Another another question. So do we think that Pete Alonso will hit more home runs than both um that than both uh who is it Stanton and Voigt uh, together.
3: All oh, because of healthy? If they yeah, because st- of
2: health.
3: Um absolutely I would take Alonzo, but like the optimist in me, because I'm very happy right now, says the boys in the Bronx are gonna have a good year. Let's go for that subway series.
2: I would
3: love to see that in the World Series, bro. Though, I'm telling you, those boys in the Bronx. Not only do they mash, but they have an actual rotation now, and they always had a good bullpen. And they have the best GM in baseball. Like they're they're vibing. The Mets are vibing. This is just great. I love you, bro. I love you guys.
0: <laughs> um, so 40. All right. So it seems pretty unanimous. I'll try to do a more controversial number for my next pick. Uh, ERA for Marcus Stroman, uh, 3.7 over or under? Yeah, Yo, we're gonna hammering- hit the under. I'm
1: Yo, wait, what the, under? Was the yeah. number
0: 37 yeah, I'm gonna pull Marcus Stroman's career ERA, but I'm gonna do a 37 yeah. right now. He's I very much put really
1: the under, but I'm gonna year. put the over. I'm gonna say this is gonna be a little over. You
0: just- All right, so why do you think that, Justin? His career ERA is a 3.76, so you know. I, I would do over as well, I think. I think you'll have a low
3: for his ERA in this innings, but uh, Bro, we just signed Lindor. It, I'm hammering the on there. He's he yeah, I think
2: that our defense is much, much better now that his ERA is gonna drop. And on top of that, Stroman's a good defender himself. He can take he can like you know make the plays himself. Uh uh Brendan, you were at that, that game with Todd Frazier. I know. Alex, me, me and you were both there. That play that he made, uh, uh, barehanded off the right side of the mound to first base—that's not an easy play, especially for a pitcher.
3: Cat, the guy's a freaking cat out there. He's a yeah, ground—he's he, an athletic beast. Listen, he's a ground ball pitcher. Um, Lindor has significantly better range than Ahmed Razar. Significantly, he stands farther back because he has a better reaction time. He doesn't have to, you know, be so close. So he he gets those balls. Not only that, Lindor has what they call like a true arm. He throws that ball; it goes straight to the first baseman. So I mean, if you're a ground ball pitcher, you you need your shortstop to be really good at defense. Not only that, we have McNeil playing second. That's his natural position. I mean, he's shown that he's he could be a really good fielder. He's such a good fielder. That the met's have been putting him everywhere and he's been just fine. But second base, he'll probably be able to thrive. I think third is the biggest issue. However, not that many balls are hit to third. And as a someone who used to play third, if the ball's not hit right at you, it's gonna be hard to get anyway, just cause those are bullets. That's like just a fact. Yeah. yeah. I all...
2: totally stand by that statement.
3: And also like having Lindor there, if there's a ball hit to to JD Davis' a left side, this decent shot Lindor could get there too. Um, it's not great to have JD Davis at third base, and obviously he's not Nolan Arenado. And like I'm not taking anything away from Arenado, but you know, saying that third base isn't as important to ground, you know, ground ball defense as short, but that's just a fact. Shortstop gets a lot of ground balls, and ground balls hit the second. Let's be honest. You don't have. You could just lolly pop it over some of the time. I mean, obviously in the MLB, that's not really the case. But shortstop is what matters the most to a ground ball pitcher like Stroman, and we have one of the best shortstops in the game, at least in terms of defense. So I'm a big believer in hitting hammering that on there. I'm also in a good mood. Um, I could see it being worse than that because he does pitch to contact, and when you pitch to contact in a league where there's you know, home runs are at an all-time high. You know, the game could change in a second. You know, he lets a couple of men on base. He get You know, there could be a hit parade all of a sudden. People are just hammering the ball. So, I'm I'm hitting that on there. I don't think Strowman's going to be – he's not going to be pitching like an ace. But I think he'll be a good number two, number three. Um, if Carrasco comes back and does what he's done his whole career, all Strowman has to do is be a number three. If Syndergaard comes back and pitches like he can, Strowman all he has to do is pitch like a number four, and then all of a sudden, even if he does get over three seven, he's still doing his job.
0: Any more thoughts on on Strowman? I think it's two two right now, so not as unanimous as Pete Alonzo, but I I think me and Justin have the over, and you and Mike have the under. Yeah, yeah Strowman has. Pretty
2: much said everything I was gonna say. Um, I'll do one more
0: over under. Then I want to do like a buy or sell, but one more over under. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, the forgotten part of the Lendor trade, uh, penciled in as a number two starter. He uh, had some elbow soreness and he tore his hamstring. Uh, over under 120 innings for Carlos Carrasco this year. Uh,
2: I, I want to say over, but he's just way too injury prone for me to say it. So under
1: what was the number? What was the number? 120
0: innings. That's I'm also
1: a- going to say under. He's already out for at least a month of the season, probably more like closer to two. It's already – yeah, I'm going to say under.
3: How many starts? That's like around like 20 starts probably. Um, so Let's say
0: he misses a hamstring. So, hamstring, he's out to like early mid-May. He's already throwing again.
1: He started a throwing program. six to eight weeks. If he's going to make 20 starts, he'd have to average six innings a start. He's, yeah, well, missing
2: minimum, sorry, he's missing is, like, minimum – sorry, he's missing minimum four starts right now. Like, there's no shot he's not missing four starts right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I think that um, you got to just hit the on there because maybe if going into this – like, if we didn't know about this injury yet, I I'd think that'd still be like a fair – I guess maybe, you know, a little bit more innings than that, maybe like 150. But, I mean, 120 innings is – like again, you know, like twenty to like twenty-two starts, depending on how he's throwing. Um, like he's already missing. Like how many? How many starts? Like five or six starts, probably. Like,
0: well, at least I would say early May is probably the most optimistic timetable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna early. say over, but but continue. So
3: that's like six starts, so he's already down to like twenty-six starts. All he has to do is miss, like. Six or so starts after that. Um, I also, I mean, he's had health issues for a while. Um, he also doesn't like the Mets' rotation is built so that we don't need to rush him back. So I think that's another factor. Yeah. Maybe like you know, a Mets team from prior years, maybe you know, he he'd be coming back a little bit earlier. So, but on this Mets team, that might cost him like one or two starts. So I I just think that. Something will happen again. I'm I'm hopeful for the season, and I don't think it sinks us. I don't think it sinks us if Carrasco, you know, only you know, if he only pitches in like two like two thirds or less than two thirds of the games. But yeah, on there.
2: Let's just yeah. do the math real quick on it. He got hurt. The, the diagnosis came on March 13th, right? We're at April 1st now. That's already roughly three weeks. He's going to be – like, his projection is be back, like, within the first week of May. That's not – that's only four starts. So, like, honestly, I I think I might change it to the over.
0: I'm doing over. I think – it. I mean, 120, I I think it's going to be right around there. I mean, that's also predicting he won't have any more hiccups along the way, and then when he does come back, he'll be productive. Because if he comes back and he gets shelled around, he's not going to – Like Alex, you're right. This rotation is not built on uh, Carrasco's shoulder. It's built on Walker, uh, Degrom, and Stroman. And if you have, if you have like Degrom, I'm sorry, if you have Carrasco and Syndergaard who are both injured, come back around the same time, and they post about 100 innings each, that's like you can kind of combine that into like one elite starting pitcher. So like Degrom plus Carrasco, like you know half years from Carrasco and Syndergaard, you could you know have the same. Results of a very elite starting pitcher. So, yeah, they're not, they don't need, you know, 150 innings or 200 from Carrasco, but I think they'll be right around that, you know, very close. Um, just, I actually have a, all right, so two overs, two unders. Um, I'm gonna do one, two more by ourselves and then kind of just like wrapping up. Um,
1: I I
2: think, I think, uh, I kind of wanted to uh, talk about Lindor's like Mets projections compared to, uh, like another all-time met in
1: Jose Reyes. Okay. Can I can I ask a question that y'all can answer about Lindor? All right, I, I'll take the silence as a yes. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Who who will lead the team in smiles? Brandon Nimmo or Francisco Lindor? The important. That was important your question. question of the day. Most important question of the day. Okay. Well, what's the over under
2: for Nimmo? Uh, like
1: eighty seven? No over under. Just who's going to have more, Lindor or Nimmo? I I think think, Nemo. I think
2: think, uh, no, I think it's gonna be Lindor. I think that he's gonna smile every day and be like, I'm making 34 million dollars a year.
3: (laughs) Okay. Technically, he's not making 34 million dollars a year. However, 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 I agree with semantics, shouldn't matter because sure talk he took the words right out of my mouth. He's gonna be thinking, I'm the 341 million dollar man. I, I'm the highest-paid shortstop of all time. i was smiling a lot before this, and that's when I was getting paid like, you know, crap for being the best shortstop in the league. Now he's paid. He's in the greatest city on earth. He's with the greatest fan base on earth. He's smiling. He's in one of the best lineups in the league. He has, you know, a really good rotation. He has, a, a, you know, a great new owner. I can say what you want about a social media presence. It's 100% a double-edged sword. I won't deny that. However, the Mets are one of the most exciting teams in the league, if not the most exciting for, you know, the San Diego Padres are a team. So they're they're also very exciting. Um, I think that he knows that it's going to be – he's going to be competing for um, a pennant every single season, at least, you know, for the next, like, five years. The, The Mets will be competing. And he's very, very happy. And he was smiling a lot before. And that's when he was with the uh, Dolans of the Midwest out in Cleveland. Who they, What they did to that team is terrible, but he was still smiling. He's got to be smiling a lot more now, though.
2: Brendan, what's your answer?
3: Uh, Nimmo, just because I think Nimmo is going to get
0: on base more. And, you know, he pretty much smiles for every – well, I don't know, he's definitely happy with every walk. And he gets on base more, Lindor, so – the more Nimmo's on base, the more he smiles. Uh, I don't know, but Lindor also will smile, crack a smile after making a sick play at shortstop. And Nimmo is definitely not going to outplay Lindor in that department. So it'll be close. I'll go with Nimmo because I think he's just going to get on base more and, I don't know, be more. Uh, it's tough. And we'll see. Lindor's all, so, I don't know.
2: <laughs> so we got one for Nimmo, three for Lindor? Yeah. I don't Justin, know who's who's, who's, who's.
0: I think the interesting question: Who's the third smile? Who is the third most smiling?
2: Dom for sure.
0: That's a good call. I think um, that's a good call. Um, uh, so speaking of another
2: smiling shortstop though in Mets history, um, kind of like I said, wanted to talk about. I wanted to run by uh, Jose Reyes' twelve-year career with the Mets and whether or not Lindor would break uh, Reyes' twelve-year uh, stats. I hope so. so
0: remember, so, the, uh, remember the uh, the drafting of Mets franchise history, and we like there was like two, only one good shortstop to pick from.
2: Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and we're hopefully,
0: like, hopefully Lindor. You know, it's hopefully Lindor and Reyes.
2: So right now, I'm just gonna read off Lindor's career stats first. So right now, uh, I don't know what Reyes' career war was off the top of my head with the, with just the but it was uh, Lindor's is 28. His career war. He has just under 900 hits with 896, 138 home runs, uh, 285 batting average, 508 runs, 411 RBIs, 99 stolen bases, an OPS plus of 117, uh, 1531 total bases, and a WRC plus of 118. That was Lindor's career stats. So, do we think in his 11 year career with the Mets, he is going to break any of these. Do you think he's gonna break 1534
1: hits? Hey talk, can you yeah. like can you possibly share your screen with these stats?
2: I have it all written down. I'm like oh. pieces of paper. Sorry. Um all right well do we think that Lindor will get more than 1534 hits in all that's
0: years? tough. I don't think he does but like I think Lindor will be will go down as the best oof I don't know. If Lindor wins a championship with the Mets he's gonna go down as the Best shortstop in franchise history because that's something Reyes couldn't do. I mean, Reyes it wasn't Reyes' fault, but like Lindor, if he's the centerpiece that brings the Mets their first championship since '86, and you know for ten years, I mean Reyes, what he debuted in 04, 05, he left in uh, 0-3, 2011. 0-3, I think I saw. Oh three, okay. So Lindor, yeah, pretty sure, yeah, 03 to 2011. Like it depends how long Lindor is an elite shortstop for. Like he'll definitely be elite there for the next. For maybe five years. Um, I know for the second half of the deal, like if he's still playing a good shortstop at age 33, age 34, like that'll mean that'll determine whether he can compile these stats. Uh, I I think he'll definitely beat Reyes in home runs. Like Lindor could easily get 30 home runs a season for the next, you know, the first half of this deal. Uh, Definitely not going to approach his stolen bases. Um, Maybe doubles. Lindor can. Be pretty close on, but uh, hits I, I'll i go under. I think he'll just get under that because how many hits is he at right now? Like, if he, if he has like a thousand hits right now,
2: yeah, he, he's 100- just under 900 at 896.
0: So, if he hits 25, if he gets 2500 hits, he's probably a hall of famer. So, like, so I yeah, I did his career
2: projections as well because the MOB uh last season gave out what they thought would be his career projections. But based on a, a, a full one sixty two, he ends up with uh, where is it? Anywhere between twenty six hundred to three thousand hits. And alone on the Mets, my projection was two thousand fifty seven. But that's would, that's if he's playing at, a, at an elite level for that all those eleven years.
0: Yeah, so he would have to play like at a Hall of Fame pace to like beat Reyes out in some of these stats. But
2: it's not. Impossible. Yeah, I only. Yeah, I only have him beating him in home runs, hits, RBIs, on-base percentage, slugging, wrc+, plus and ops. I don't know about you guys.
0: I don't know what stats he's going to have, but I think he's I don't know, I was thinking he'll probably hit hopefully his batting average is up from last year, so we hit closer to his career 2.85 batting average, that'll be good. Um Definitely hit for a lot more power, though. I think he's like at least a 30 home run hitter, especially today's ball. Um, Well, yeah, he didn't have to be Jose Reyes. They're just they kind of have the intangibles though, like the charisma and the energy. So they'll be, I don't know, they'll be look at a similar way, even though they're not the exact same type of player. Um, I was gonna do. Let's we want to talk more about Lindor. I was gonna do like one or two more. Buy or sells. We kind of like wrap that uh, wrap up the podcast. I just want to like mention the trade deadline because um, that's kind of like where the Mets changed their season in 2015. And I think the Mets are in it. They're going to be active. So I want to pose this question. Buy or sell. The Mets will trade for a third baseman at the trade deadline. It doesn't necessarily have to be Chris Bryant, but the Mets trade uh... for a third baseman.
2: I, I know J.O. might be on this one, but uh, J.D. Davis to the moon.
1: J.D. Justin, Davis to the moon. Did you hear my question? I did not hear the question.
0: Buy or sell, the Mets will trade for a third baseman at the trade deadline.
1: i a combination of J.D. Davis and Luis Guillermi does good enough, whether it's J.D. Davis returning to 2019 form or a combination of the two 2020 forms. I think it's good enough. Uh, the rest of the lineup is incredibly strong. Uh, the pitching, like, you know, there's not, like, an obvious weakness, you know. It's not like it's so bad that, like, they just absolutely have to do anything. Or at least on paper right now, it is. I mean, it is. anything's possible, obviously. But I don't see that happening, especially with the way uh, J.D. Davis has those home road splits. As long as he keeps, up, keeps it up at home, he'll be a serviceable player.
2: Yeah, they can do those defensive days on the road with your at third. I definitely agree with the last part Justin said if uh if you if Mets fans you didn't know go look at JD Davis's home and, a, and road splits in 2019 it straight up makes it look like the Mets were cheating at home that's how drastic the change is
0: well he's used them. to cheating at home what he's used to cheating at home
2: I mean yeah I guess but like still like it's, it's really alarming though dude like he had a he had like an OPS of like almost 900 at home or something like that and like under 600 on the road, like it was really bad.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, who was the guy with the what's it called? Cowbell man. What cowbell man just giving signs away to uh, JD Davis. He's uh, out there
2: in like center field. Two taps is a curveball.
0: Yeah, it could. Yeah, bump, 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 bump. It that's like that's a, that's a uh, fastball. Uh, one more. Wait, um, I- actually, Alex, we're you
3: gonna comment. On? Oh yeah, talk, talk, talk. Took my time. Um, <laughs> what did I do? I'm obsessed with JD Davis. Okay, so I feel like this this it's should... like JD
2: Davis to the moon. Like that's it.
3: Let's all be honest here. Unless third base is a big problem, or offense and offense itself is a big problem, so if those two conditions are met, then the Mets will will probably go out and get a third baseman. However, I just don't think that the chance of that happening are too high. So like. I'm, I'm not a big fan of buying into that idea. Um, I think that, if anything, the Met, like the Mets, if we are a contender, contenders have to do something at the trade deadline. I don't care how good your team is. The Dodgers always do stuff at the trade deadline, too. So, I mean, you could always bolster your bullpen, especially if you think you're going to be in the playoffs. So, like, I, I, I definitely buy Mets uh, getting a bullpen piece, especially because, uh, you know, not everyone in your bullpen is going to be doing well. And they're all expendable. So much more likely to kick one of those guys to the curb than to kick J.D. Davis to the curb.
1: I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, Yeah, like you said, it doesn't matter how good you are, you can always get better. And I don't think that'll be a position player with the Mets. I think it's the bullpen. We've already kind of talked about how it's a little bit of a weakness if they have one. So I think that's the moves that they'll make. I think they're going to add a bullpen piece or two at the deadline.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll – buy. I'll just, I'll say they trade for, I mean, it's not the, I don't know, it's not a creative answer, but I'll I'll say the Cubs are out of it, and the Mets trade for Chris Bryant. Maybe they play Chris Bryant all over the field, but for a rental, for a two-month rental, I think they can get him for pretty cheap, and if they're in it, you know, Chris Bryant could really elevate this team to a World Series contender. So, uh, last, uh, I guess, buy or sell or over under. uh, Total wins for the Mets this year. Uh, I'll say 90 over like under Army
2: projected like 92 and 70 right now or something.
1: That's yeah. Those projections I have them. That's, be- a- that's the exact record they had in uh, 2015.
2: Yeah. I think that's like a really solid projection, especially with how competitive the NL East is. I know Alex mentioned earlier that he thinks it's the best one in uh, the best division of baseball. A lot of other people do too. Alex, you're muted. I just saw your your mouth move, but no words.
3: <laughs> um. <laughs> I- it may very well be. Um, I I think it is. It's it's very. It's like the deepest one. Um, the AL East everyone thinks is always like the best division. Um, and honestly, they they usually do come through. However, the Orioles are terrible. Um, we'll see. We'll see how good the Rays are. And the Red Sox were bad last year. And the NL so, has like two really good teams, but that's not all you know that's not what it takes to be the best division in baseball
2: so yeah like i don't i don't know if i'm not going to say that the nl east is the best division in baseball i know a lot of people do say that i think it's one of the most competitive divisions in baseball um which is going to make it like very difficult for us to uh get more than 90 wins like you very well might see a team win the division with like solely at 90 wins because their division play just isn't that great um I think 92 and 70 is like a perfect projection for the Mets lineup right now, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to win the division. Yeah.
0: Um, Justin, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I'm going to say somewhere in that 90 to 94 range, it should be the expectation, but we all know we're talking about the Mets here. So it would not surprise me at all if they ended up somewhere at like 86, just like they did last year. But I'll say, uh, Uh, I'll agree with Taka on this one. 92 sounds like a nice little sweet spot. They're not going to blow anyone away out of their shoes, but good team, good enough to make the playoffs. They're going to be taken seriously.
0: Maybe I'm being the pessimist here, but I guess maybe I'm too scarred from the last few years with the Mets having talent on paper, but not playing to their talent level. So I'm going to have them under. I'm going to have them under 90 wins. I'm going to have them at 88 wins, um, which is just, which is should be Good enough for a wild card spot. You know, the division is the toughest. So, uh, the Mets get, if the Mets get beat up and get competition from the Marlins, the Braves, the Phillies, like there's no more rollovers in the NL East. So, the Mets aren't going to have those easy pickings where teams in the Central, like the Brewers and the Cardinals, can bully the Pirates or uh, the Dodgers can bully the Rockies. The Mets aren't going to have that luxury. So, also, the Mets are just under 90 wins. The Braves will also suffer with their win total. They'll have The Braves will win the division with 94 games. Mets will finish in the second wild card spot with 88 wins.
2: Hot take, no team in the NL East finishes under 80 wins.
0: The Marlins are – I feel like the Phillies could low-key finish in last because the Marlins I, are sneaky good.
2: I have the Phillies in last too, but I still have them winning 80 games, which is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, if that's the case, then – It'll be really, if that's the case, then it's tough to see a wild card team coming out of the East, but spot.
2: That, that's what I'm thinking too. Like the more that I think about it, it's like I really think the Mets might have to win the division to make the wild card. I started to make the playoffs because like, you know, you look at the NL Central, you got the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, and the Cardinals who can all make a run at a wild card spot. You have the Dodgers. The Padres are like locked in. One of the Dodgers, the Padres are like locked into a wild card spot. Let's be real leaving like one left and I just named four teams that are also in the running for it. Like it could be very well that the Mets have to
1: win the division to make the playoffs.
0: That is very true. Um, yeah, that-
1: I'm going to disagree with that take. Uh, I think this NL Central is definitely competitive as hell. Like you just said, there are four teams pretty similarly in talent, but I think those four teams are a step below the Dodgers and Braves and Mets and Padres of the world. Well, no, so, so, so
2: what I'm saying is, like, the Dodgers and the Padres are, like, locked into the playoffs. Like, one of them is winning the division, and one of them is taking home a wild card seed, which
1: is leaving I totally get one that. I just, I just don't see a world where two NL Central teams are going to make it. I think all four of those teams are a step below the rest of them, and the division winner will be the worst playoff team in the National League, in my opinion.
2: Okay, I get that, but think also, we're only six – I know six years, like, that's – you know, that is a lot of time for baseball – We're only six years removed from three of those teams having in the NL Central having ninety eight wins.
3: Yeah, um, I completely disagree with. I'm just kidding. I I I completely disagree with you, Shertok. Like what? You know the NL Central's the when you said all like you like that the Mets are like um, the NL East is really competitive, but you don't know if it's the best division. I. Think that that is actually what the NL Central is. It's very competitive, but definitely not like it's not the best division. It's in fact, I say it was
2: the best division. Oh, I know,
3: I know, but you're but you're saying it's it might it's better than the NL East. if you think that? I
2: didn't say that either. I said there are four teams in there that can compete for the second wild card spot, making it so the Mets might have to win their division to make the playoffs.
3: Yeah, well, I don't think that those teams. Yeah, but if you don't think that those teams could, if you think that the Padres are penciled in. I don't see how the Padres are penciled in, but the Braves and Mets aren't. Like the, it's the freaking Padres. I'm sorry, but like they're. I they're, agree with that actually. On promise, the Braves have been a really good team. You cannot put the Padres ahead of the Braves. I don't care how good
2: all the- their ac- after all their acquisitions this year, dude. Oh my God! Look at their bullpen. Look at their yes. starting rotation. And yes. look at their on field production. Yes.
0: I'm on the same wave as Alex. Like, you got to actually like show it first. You know, Mets had good teams
3: too on paper, but they didn't perform. So let's see the Padres do it. Arvish and Snell are Cy Young award winners that are Cy Young caliber right now, but they also have the ability to stink. They've shown us that they could stink for a long period. But so, that's like anybody on the Mets too? What? But the, no, not, the, you, you should pencil the Braves in if anything. And then I'll like, I think that the I Mets... said it's the
2: Braves division to lose
3: no central team. Why can't we pencil them both in? I think that's the, the more real. like yeah. I
1: see what I see both sides to it, but I think both because can be because
2: in. I'm still on the side.
1: It's the same old Mets. I can't, I can't bring myself. I can't bring myself to see the Braves and the playoff. Padres, the Braves and the Padres. Why can't both the Braves and the Padres be penciled? Yeah. In? Well,
3: you're Again, the disrespect on the Braves, man, I know we're Mets fans and like, they're supposed to be our rivals, but goddamn. damn. It's,
2: the- no, it's not disrespect on the Braves. It's the fact that like, I don't want to see the Braves win the division over the Mets. Yeah,
3: but why do you think the but like why do you think that there's like such a good shot of two teams coming out of the central and only one team coming out of the east? I the-
2: never said that. I said that there's a chance. I said there's a huge chance it could happen. No
3: chance. What is it? Is it you know
1: you need to be more specific That's a huge chance Not imply that it is More likely than not Otherwise it would be A small I said chance
2: a, I said there's a very Large chance the Mets Might have to win Their division to make The playoffs Like you can't just Knock off these teams In the NL Central Like they're bad Like all the <laughs> A lot of them Made the playoffs last year And in the past six years A lot of them have too And the Mets haven't A
1: team What's making the playoffs Six years up, That's like saying The Mets wor- made the World Series In 2015 That means they're good This year
3: uh, the That's Central-
2: what we've been saying though, But that's
1: literally
3: been saying as Mets fans for the past six years well the Central stinks the Reds I don't gonna-
1: know about you but I have not used that World Series to say that the Mets are good in a long time probably in at least dude, three years every, dude every time like sure we might bring it up chat. with like Yankee fans if we want exactly to around, exactly like, yeah but we're obviously joking when we're like yo we've made a World Series more recently no one no one's going to use the Mets 2015 World Series appearance as a legitimate reason as to why they're good now
2: my point was is that it's
0: not going to be a cakewalk for the Mets to make the playoffs. So who has the Mets making the playoffs here? I think
2: My we, optimism says yes, but it's not a cakewalk.
0: I have them in a wild card spot. I have them winning the wild card game, and then they probably lose in the divisional series. But who knows? They have a pretty good starting staff. So if the Mets get in the playoffs with this rotation, it could be like 2015 where they just you know shut out teams en route to a World
3: Series appearance. So, um, I, I think that, yeah, I, I I agree. I'm feeling the magic. Definitely making the playoffs. If we get in that wild card game, are you kidding me? Easy. The if any, the wild card game might hurt us because we you know we'll blow our Degrom load then. Um, unless of course we need him to pitch a big game at the end of the regular season. We'll see what happens. If anything, I mean, he'll go back out there again. He he doesn't care. Um, again, I could see us winning um, the divisional series, you know, it depends on who we play. The Dodgers would be very tough. We would need our pitchers to all come through. And I think we could hit off that team. And we've also shown, um, yeah, you, know, you don't, you don't need to score a ton of runs in order to, to beat the Dodgers. You just need to prevent them from scoring. You know, pitchers have the advantage. Uh, if, if they have their stuff, it's, you know, there's no, even the best uh, hitter can't really do that much. Um, I'm, I'm only scared of the Dodgers I'm really only scared of the Dodgers I think the Mets could really make a, a run All right Well, we'll definitely see how the season plays out Hope, uh, expect,
0: Expectations are sky high right now uh, And we'll see how Opening day plays out whenever it is Just for a quick update Before we ha- before we sign off uh, Friday's game Well, they weren't scheduled to play on a Friday But uh, tonight, no game not making it up on Friday off either. So it looks like the earliest opening day will be either Saturday or Sunday. So hopefully by Saturday, we can see DeGrom and Scherzer and we can have the opening day that Met fans deserve. So until then, LFGM and have a happy opening day. Thanks guys for listening to this week's episode of put it in the books. Please sure to write a positive review and drop a five-star rating. If you enjoyed the podcast, also be sure to follow us on social media at Instagram at put in the books underscore and make sure to have yourselves a happy opening day and let's go Mets.